We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? It's Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I hate asking a question at the top because you can't answer it, but that's what I do as a greeting. What do you want me to do? I'm Kyle Madsen, right about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com. He's Chris Biederman. He'll be joining me shortly. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. A couple of quick housekeeping notes for us on this pod. Uh, we'll talk about the Tony Jefferson signing, and we will also talk about the Julio Jones trade the Titans made that the 49ers did not make. We'll dive into those two things and whatever other shenanigans we get into. Enjoy. Blue wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. So I had a major breakthrough in my heat beating, Chris. Was it just the weather not being all that hot? Well, that's been very helpful. It was like a very nice 75 with a nice breeze today in Oakley. And then I work in San Francisco where it's just cold all of the time. Yeah. Well, when it was hot last week, I turned the AC on and I'm sitting in the office in the back of the house and it was still very warm, even though the AC was on and I was thought that that kind of sucked but it was whatever i noticed recently that the vent is closed which is why no air was ever getting into this office so uh that was a huge moment for me that vent is now opened and when it does start getting hot again i will have more success beating heat in my office with the ac properly (laughs) running in there yeah it is uh it's five o'clock in santa clara right now as we record Mm. this or i guess five twelve somewhere um and it's 66 degrees on june 7th which is just Mm. odd right because like typically afternoons are usually the hottest part of the day here right and i feel like normally in early june it's it's got to be mid 80s at least like 20 degrees warmer than it is right now but it's very pleasant um in uh in my home studio right now uh so in the lab in the lab yeah i'm pretty (laughs) excited about it um but not as excited as 49ers fans should be about Tony Jefferson. Oh, boy. You know, all right, Tony Jefferson. <laughs> 49ers signed Tony Jefferson on Monday. 
They released defensive back Brianne Body Calhoun. So Jefferson was an undrafted free agent with the Cardinals in 2013. He spent four seasons in Arizona. Then went to Baltimore for three years in 2019. He tore his ACL in week five. Didn't play the rest of that year. Didn't play at all last year. And now the 49ers are signing him. Pretty crowded safety room now for the 49ers. Um, it's Marcel Harris, Tony Jefferson, uh, Jaquaski Tart, Jimmy Ward, Tavon Wilson, Kai Nakua, Jared Maiden, Talanoa Hufanga, who they took in the in the fifth round of this year's draft. It's a it's a crowded room. And I actually like the Tony Jefferson signing of all the and then I guess Tavarius Moore as well, who I didn't mention, but of all the of all the random kind of offseason signings that happen in June, this one feels like it might actually come with a little bit of consequence because safety was not a position where you could just lock in four guys and and call it good. Uh, I think Jefferson has a legitimate shot to to make the team. Yeah, I do too. And it's a really interesting group from sort of a roster construction perspective, especially right now, because they're, they're kind of a lot of unknowns. Like, mm-hmm we don't know who the starting strong safety is going to be necessarily, right? Jaguarski Tart was a free agent, came back on a one-year team-friendly contract because there wasn't a whole lot of money league-wide in free agency because the cap went down. So he's obviously started for the last four or five years. Um, Jimmy Ward's going to start at free safety, but the starting strong safety job, I mean, it's it's probably going to come down to Tart, Tarverius Moore, and now, you know... like it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world if Tony Jefferson won the starting strong safety role. I mean, it, no, you know, I, I wouldn't put him as a favorite. Um, I would probably put Tervarius Moore as a favorite right now. Um, but you know, Jaquaski Tart isn't practicing. He's uh, he's recovering from toe surgery, and uh, and he's been working out on the side field during OTAs. And Tervarius Moore has gained a little bit of weight, as he said he would at the end of last offseason. And so he's playing strong safety. Um, and you have, you know, Jared Maiden sort of working with the two as at the twos with uh, at free safety. And then Kai Nakua is working back there, too. Um, Tavon Wilson's working back there. So you like it's just really interesting because, you know, covering the team and watching them play at a lot of other positions, it's pretty easy to to sort of create a pecking order as far as safety goes. But now too, you have Talano Hufanga, you have Marcel Harris, who's been in the system for a while. Um, you know, it, there's, there isn't really a clear uh, depth chart, I guess, or at least ordering uh, at strong safety. So Tony Jefferson is just, it, it, that was a status quo sort of before Tony Jefferson and now getting him, murks it up a little bit more and so you know i i think it, it's it's definitely interesting because he is an experienced guy he's played in a lot of games um he started he started he started all 35 games yeah started all 35 he played for baltimore yeah um and so you know that's a good defense right he's mm-hmm. he's been on some good defenses so mm-hmm. he didn't play in 20 uh he didn't play in 2020 coming off the acl tear in 2019 presumably he's he's got to be pretty healthy at this point given how far removed he is from yeah, the almost two years yeah he's 29 years old um so yeah i i think it's kind of interesting because there just is so much sort of uncertainty and competition shaping up for that strong safety spot 
And it wasn't really a spot you felt like going into the offseason, like, wow, 49ers really got to address their strong safety spot. It kind of felt like Tavarius Moore was ready to to take it over after after trans- transitioning there last year. And now you have, you know, Moore, Jefferson, Tart, Harris, and Hufanga. And there's probably, like, there's probably – or typically four or five safety spots for four or five safeties make the 53 man roster. Um, so it'll be interesting to see um, exactly how it shakes out, but uh, you know, it's, it's definitely one of those interesting about as interesting as a signing can be for June 7th. Let's put it like that. One of the other interesting parts of this is the last couple of years, you talked about the roster construction the last couple of years, it's been like Ward Tart more Harris and then maybe one or two other other players but it was pretty clear who who the who the group of safeties was going to be they have 10 safeties now if my counting is correct which there's no guarantee that it is but 10 guys vying for probably four roster spots I imagine it would, yeah four it, or five five would be kind of a lot yeah but it suddenly becomes like and this has been the case, but the Tony Jefferson signing just kind of brought it all to the fore. Like, oh, there's a lot of players and you just laid it out. Like, this this could be outside of maybe Jimmy Ward. It could it could be like an entirely new group of safeties next year or this season. So you have Jimmy Ward and then let's say Tavarius Moore starts. It could be two guys that weren't even on the roster last year as, as the two backups. Like, there's a very real chance it's 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 Hufanga and, and Jefferson or or if they keep five, you know, Hufanga and Jefferson and and Tavon Wilson. So I'm fascinated to see kind of how that group shakes out. Not just the starting guys, but but who backs them up as well. Because while Jimmy Ward was healthy last year, he hasn't exactly been the picture of health during his career. So I, I do wonder um, if that's something the 49ers are going to try and do is kind of insulate themselves a little bit from, from a potential Jimmy Ward injury where it's not going to derail their entire secondary if he goes down yeah totally agree and and you do wonder if if tart's versatility is going to play into this too in that like you know is him making the roster going to be partly due because of his ability to play free safety also Mm -hmm. because they're pretty you know at and it it could be changing this year with D'Amico ryan's but there's a pretty clear difference between um between what the 49ers have done at free safety and strong safety. And they've, mm-hmm. they, they got a little bit more creative the last two years under Robert Sala, but it was pretty, you know, Jimmy Ward was very much like the the deep free safety, um, right. often single high in that classic sort of Seattle cover three scheme. And, you know, some of that has ch- changes a little bit based on looks and personnel and situation and all that. But, um, you know, I think it, it's the, my first thought was like, when, when I saw the Jefferson signing, I was like, what's, so what's this mean for Tart? Like, what is, you know, it, it, it's clear to me that Jaquaski Tart is not a lock to make the roster. I don't think, um, because like, wait, you know what, if you, you draft a strong safety in Talanoa Hufanga, um, you have Marcel Harris, who you like as sort of a back end special teams guy. He's obviously not a lock to make the roster. Right. So like, I think you really only sign somebody like Tony Jefferson. If you think he's, he's got a chance to start to, to beat out the other starting guys, or at least provide more stability at that spot, even though he is coming off an ACL tear than what you've gotten from tart because tart 
has basically missed 50% of his games throughout his entire career because of a myriad right. of injuries. And he's, like we said, currently not practicing because he's coming off turf toe that um, that ended his 2020 season prematurely. So um, it's it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm curious to see how the reps are divvied out when we get to training camp. We'll be at OTAs on Tuesday. Um, so we might have a better idea of what this this safety situation is looking like. But um, until then, it's it, it's kind of interesting because there are a lot of unknowns. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's jump over to the other side of the ball. Julio Jones traded to Tennessee. There was some speculation that the 49ers might be involved. It sounds like now, based on reporting from Peter King and Albert Breer, that the 49ers were not really involved. And in fact, maybe no NFC was, team was really involved. Um, I don't know if the Falcons are too keen on on trading Jones within, within the conference. So he goes to the Titans for a, a second-round pick and a fourth-round pick. And uh, the Falcons sent Jones and a 2023 sixth round pick was, was the final package. Kyle Shanahan said something really interesting um, in a press scrum at the Sonoma Raceway where he got asked about the Jones trade. And he kind of like, as he was laughing said, I think that would have been a great deal or something like that. Indicating that the 49ers weren't like maybe given the option to, to have that deal it it doesn't seem like the falcons as you said were were too interested in sending julio jones to the nfc and perhaps they were asking for more from nfc teams than what they got from the titans which was that second round and fourth round pick um you know were the 49ers interested i think they were interested but i think they were interested at a at a much different price I guess, than what, than what Tennessee offered. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I think Kyle Shanahan looks at his roster and understands like, yeah, we're, we're probably thinner at receiver than, than we would like to be at this point. And it could be that they're setting themselves up to be a very heavy 12 personnel, 21 personnel team with, you know, using Kyle Juszczyk instead of a, a third receiver using Ross Dwelly or even Charlie Warner, um, at tight end instead of having a third receiver on the field if Trey Lance plays a lot early on I'm expecting them to run the ball at probably the highest rate in the league um, mm-hmm. as they were sort of in 2019 they ran the ball the second most times in in the league behind Baltimore um, so 
you know, I, I think Julio Jones has certainly made a lot of sense for the same reasons that Emmanuel Sanders made sense and the same reasons that Trent Williams made sense in that this was a guy you could potentially get without selling the farm for. The issue is the 49ers already sold the farm to get Trey Lance. And, you know, they just weren't really in a spot to give up a second round pick. And, and I think, you know, coming off last year and leading the NFL just in games missed by, you know, injury, or I guess <laughs> the, the pro football outsiders stat, um, is is what most games lost to injury or, or whatever it is mm-hmm. um it's hard to justify like okay let's bring in a 32 receipt 32 year old receiver who's had foot problems throughout his career who missed seven games last year coming off an injury or coming off a hamstring injury and then doesn't practice all that much while you're trying to incorporate a rookie quarterback um you know they're they're just it didn't line up perfectly like the emmanuel sanders thing lined up kind of perfectly the Trent Williams trade definitely lined up pretty perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, this one just, just didn't at quite the same level. And maybe if the Falcons were willing to send Julio Jones to, to the NFC for a third round pick, maybe the 49ers would have been more interested. If it was a third and a fifth, which was the same that San Francisco sent Washington for Trent Williams. And maybe that would have been more enticing for them, but you know, as badly as the 49ers could use a third receiver and just given the dearth of options they have right now, um, you know, it would have made a lot of sense. So now I think the third receiver battle slash however that shakes shakes out is probably the most interesting roster battle that, they, that they're going to have in training camp outside of quarterback. Would you agree with that? Yes. Definitely. Yeah, because it's all those guys. There's not even there's not even a favorite. If you're if you're if you're putting odds on you just grab the the receivers not named Ayuk or Samuel. I don't know if there's a a guy that's like, okay, well, this guy's minus 500 and everybody else is is plus whatever. Yeah, I, I think Richie James is probably the favorite, though. No, sure. Sure. That like, yes. But if if we had somebody else on and they said, well, I think Jalen Hurd's the favorite. I would buy that. You know, if, yeah. if, if you want to say Travis Benjamin's the favorite, I would buy that. Like Richie James probably makes the most sense right now, but it's not something where I'm going to be shocked if he's unseated as, as the number three guy. Right. And you know, you have Juwan Jennings, um, you have Austin Watkins, um, the undrafted guy, you know, so there there are a lot of bodies, but I just don't know how many of them are viable. And if you could, right. you know, like in terms of just you, you have to play a playoff game tomorrow, right? On the road. Say, say you have to go to Green Bay in January. You're probably not going to throw the ball a ton in that game, but you are going to have a third receiver on the field at some point. Like, who do you feel most comfortable with putting in that scenario right now? Like, there's no one you really feel all that comfortable with, right? Like even Kendrick mm-hmm. Bourne, while he was here, you felt, okay, like, all right, Kendrick Bourne is a fine number three receiver. That's sort of the perfect role for him. And that proved to be true. Um, but now it's like, there are just so many question marks. And so, you know, I, I think Kyle Shanahan does have a plan. I think, like I said, I think they're going to run the ball a lot, use a lot of two receiver sets. Um, and then they're going to hope that Jalen Hurd stays healthy and maybe Juwan Jennings can surprise some people and, and maybe Richie James 
um, can be more productive and more consistent if Kyle Shanahan decides to carve out more of a role for him like he did in that Thursday game last year when when he sort of had to because Ayuk and, and Samuel were both out uh, because of COVID protocols in that game. So it's I think outside of quarterback, it's pretty clearly the most interesting roster battle right now. Yeah, and I think, too, what, what you said about a lot of 12 personnel, 21 personnel, it wouldn't surprise me if the 49ers get through the first six games and do what they did in 2019 and said, hey, this receiving core is not good enough to get to a Super Bowl, and they execute a trade midseason once they have a full assessment of what they're looking at. But I think with Benjamin, with James, with Jennings, with Hurd, they feel like they have enough to kind of cobble together a receiving core for the first few weeks and then see what happens from there. The other thing... It's I, risky, I, though. <laughs> Sure. Totally. But if they were going to have to offer two seconds for Julio Jones or as the NFC tax, you mean? Yeah, right. If that was going to if the Falcons said, yeah, we'll trade him to you, but it's got to be two seconds or or Debo Samuel in a second or whatever, like whatever, whatever it was going to be. I don't think the the reward outweighed the risk because I think you're right. I think they are planning on running the football a lot. So, and that's not Tennessee is going to run the football a lot too, but Tennessee got to pay a second and a fourth. And I think the 49ers would have happily pulled the trigger on that. If they had the opportunity, Tennessee I'm just also, not sure they did. Yeah. Tennessee also has like one clear starting receiver, number one receiver in AJ Brown. Right. right. And they lost Johnny Smith in the offseason and just and didn't Corey really Davis. have that number two receiver. Like the Niners mm-hmm. do have two guys. Right. right. Samuel. So they like, but as I've argued on, on Twitter and, and on this pod, it's like, I just don't know how much you can, you can count on those dudes to be healthy. And that, and that conversation extends to George Kittle too, because he's probably going to lead the Niners in, in receptions this year, but mm-hmm. he's still a guy who's going to play his whole career basically with a torn labrum. Um, he's coming off a season where he broke his foot and sprained his knee and played in only eight games. And it probably would have been fewer if he didn't come back for the last couple. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think I the big, it would have been fewer games if he played in fewer games. Yeah, it, it totally would have, but I mean, he didn't have to come back the point. <laughs> no, I, no, I, I know he could have played it in six games instead very of very surprising. He came back. Yeah. Um, so the, the point being that like, if you get Julio Jones, the argument would have been you have another guy because you, you feel good about having another guy because there are so many injury concerns potentially with Debo Samuel and George Kittle. And that if you add Julio, albeit somebody who's dealt with injury issues of his own, you give yourself a better shot at, at fielding a healthy complement of weapons week in and week out just because you have another guy who's proven who you can trust. And now yep. I, you know, if if the 49ers do deal with injuries to Debo Samuel and George Kittle, it's like there there might be some lost weeks. And that's not to say mm-hmm. they're going to get hurt, but they could. Mm-hmm. If they did, there isn't a contingency plan now. So we'll have to see exactly how they how they maneuver those waters. And really it's just gonna be, you know, it seems like they're just gonna have to cross their fingers and hope they get, you know, 15, 16 games from from Kittle, Ayuk and uh and Debo because if not they're gonna have a really hard time being you know winning the NFC West and being a a real viable threat in the playoffs 
The other thing I wonder too, when it comes to making a, a trade, and this is for Julio Jones or, or like a mid-season deal, which which I, I mentioned. I wonder if the 49ers are looking at what they have going into next year's draft. They have their own second, their own third, because they traded the compensatory pick to the Dolphins. I wonder if they're kind of looking at their roster and going, all right, Bosa's extension is coming up. Fred Warner's extension is is due ASAP. Um, Mike McGlinchey at right tackle, not a sure thing long-term. Uh, defensive end opposite Nick Bosa is a little bit of a problem if, if D Ford is not going to be able to stay healthy. Cornerback uh, is still a, a pretty significant question mark. I think they look at these needs and and – look at a situation where they're trading their second and their fourth next year and going, that's just not enough. I mean, the cap's going to go up a little bit. They're going to have a little bit of room to maneuver in free agency, especially if Garoppolo's contract comes off the books. But if McGlinchey doesn't take a, I don't want to say step up because he wasn't terrible last year, but if he regresses a little bit and they're just like, this is not the guy they're going to, you can't be picking a right tackle in the third round. And if you need a defensive end, like that's not something you want to wait until the fourth or fifth round to do. So right. I wonder if that's something that factors in too when they're looking at their draft capital and, and what they're going to need and going, you know, it's not worth the risk of of messing up the roster three or four years from now to add a, a third receiver to a team that's just going to run the ball so heavily. Yeah, and I, I think what what's important to point out too is when they made the Emmanuel Sanders trade in 2019, and Kyle Shanahan said this at the combine after the Super Bowl, um, he made the trade because he thought the 49ers were the best team in the NFL, right? Right. Um, with the chance at winning the Super Bowl, and obviously they were, um, or they had a chance. They, you know, you you could you could argue they were the best team, but uh, the, the Chiefs had the best player, but. Um, you know, I don't think you can look at the 49ers right now as constructed coming off last year going six and ten and say, you know, they have the best roster in the league. They're just a Julio Jones away from winning the Super Bowl. They, you know, they could be a Julio Jones away, but like it's a lot of things. They they need to see a lot of things first, right? They need like, can Jimmy Garoppolo stay healthy? If Jimmy Garoppolo can't stay healthy, is Trey Lance gonna be is is he gonna be able to hit the ground running if and when he does have to start? Um, mm-hmm. is Raheem Mostert going to be able to stay healthy because you lost Jeff Wilson Jr. until midseason, at least with a knee injury. Um, you feel pretty good about Trey Sermon, but like, you know, do you, can, are you going to just pencil him in as, as a competent running back to replace Mostert in one of the most run heavy offenses in the league? Right. Like there, there are just a lot of questions. Can Nick Bosa be healthy coming off the ACL tear? Is Jason Verrett going to have two really good seasons in a row? Um, is Emmanuel Mosley going to hold on to that starting job opposite Verrett or is Ambry Thomas and or Diamador Lenore going to take over that that starting job on the other side? Um, right. There are just a lot more question marks right now, which to your point makes it a little bit tougher to go all in on on somebody like Julio Jones, because it's not that you're going all in on Julio Jones. If you make that trade, you're going all in on 2021 right and the reason why Kyle Shanahan went all in on 2019 is because he thought at the time of making the the Emmanuel Sanders trade he said okay we have the best team in the NFL we get another receiver we can really win a Super Bowl Mm -hmm. 
I just think there are too many question marks on the 49ers right now as constructed to say they're Julio Jones away from um, from making the Super Bowl. But I wouldn't, and I wouldn't have hated the trade at all. It just no. would have been risky um, for the future long-term stuff because you're kind of going on two paths right now, right? If you're the 49ers, you're on the win, win in 2021 path. Mm-hmm. And also like we're developing Trey Lance and we're trying to set ourselves up for the long-term path. Right. So it's, it's a really, it's a really awkward spot to kind of, to kind of be in right now. It's not a bad spot to be in, but it's like, there, there just aren't a whole lot of teams that I can really remember that like go through this thing where they're competing to win right now, but they're also going through sort of a transition in their quarterback room. Right. And that just kind of affects every move you make. So Julio Jones would have been similar to Emmanuel Sanders in that we're all in on 2021, but also like they're not really because they they just replaced their starting quarterback in the offseason, right? Or their, you know, their long-term quarterback right. is going to be somebody different than Jimmy Garoppolo. So um it would have made plenty of sense to add Julio Jones given the uncertainty with, you know, the injury, yeah. the health situations with George Kittle and Debo Samuel, but it also would have been tough, as you mentioned, to give up those assets because you are building for the future with with Trey Lance and you're going to have some big money contracts coming up with Nick Bosa and, and uh, Fred Warner this offseason. Yeah, I just I, I, I advocated for for the deal, um, but the fact it didn't happen, I don't think is catastrophic. Because no. you you pointed out if this if the 49ers aren't winning a Super Bowl this year, I don't think anybody at the end of the year is going to look at it and go, oh well, if Julio Jones, right? And if that's the case, you know, so be it. But it would there are looked, so many other things that could go wrong. It would have looked a lot worse if Jones ended up with the Seahawks or the Rams. I completely agree. I I, just... I agree wholeheartedly. But Albert Breer reported that none of the NFC West teams even offered. Yeah. Yeah, so, it sounds like that the Titans were really the only ones that come in with a significant offer. Um, so it'll right. be interesting, and it, it, I'm interested to see with Julio, like how many years is he going to be good? Like he, I, I'm mm-hmm. very confident he's going to be good in 2021. Is he going to get an extension? Right. Is he going to get an extension? Is he going to have like a, um, a Larry Fitzgerald like early mid 30s run where he's still just like really productive? albeit not as physically mm-hmm. gifted as he was earlier in his career because of injuries and stuff is the fact that he's not going to practice all the time. Is that going to impact things? Um, and you know, it'll, it'll just be interesting to see because like we said, it, it would have made a lot of sense before, before we go here, apparently according to reporting, Anthony Miller from the bears is uh, available for trade. Mm. available in a trade okay. and that's the kind of player i could see the 49ers trying to go get he's 134 catches in three years 1500 yards 11 touchdowns um really solid player out of the slot that i think could be had for like a late day three pick where it's an effective player who's not going to cost an arm and a leg and maybe that price goes up if they try and do it mid-season but it wouldn't shock me at all if Anthony Miller's on the 49ers at some point. Yeah. That's my take. He was a guy <laughs> I really liked um, leading up to that draft. What, yeah, 20, Memphis. 2018? Mm-hmm. 
2018 draft. Um, yeah, I had him on, I had like three fantasy teams that year and I drafted him on all of them. How'd he do for you? He was okay. I, I don't think I finished year with him. He was uh, 423 yards. He scored seven touchdowns. So. Yeah. Yeah. He entered the league with Mitch Trubisky as a starting quarterback. <sighs> so I've seen. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm interested to see because last week there were all the guys missing, right? Ayuk was missing with an injury on all minor injuries, apparently. But Ayuk, um, Richie James, Debo Samuel was out for personal reasons. Uh, Travis Benjamin was out with a minor injury. Jalen Hurd obviously isn't practicing um, until training camp. Still has that imposing size, though. But um, I just I'm curious to see who's practicing at OTAs tomorrow because, you know, I, is it going to be like the Trent Shurfield and Juwan Jennings show and Mohamed Sanu again? Cause like, I just don't know how helpful that's going to be to the offense and the quarterback situation right now. If like, those are the receivers yeah. he's trotting out there during, during OTAs and it's just OTAs. So we don't want to read too much into it, but ideally you would like Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk to be getting reps. Yeah. They're, I was going to drop the fire take that receiver was actually ahead of quarterback in the fascinating uh, position category for the 49ers, mm. but I don't think that's true. I couldn't convince myself of it. <laughs> I think the Niners probably have the most interesting quarterback room in the league right now. Yeah. I don't think that's, I don't think that's question. It's like a, it's like a super quarterback room. Some might call it, um, it's just when it comes to, like, I think barring something crazy, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to start week one. Whereas um, at receiver, like we said, there's like four or five guys who could realistically kind of emerge as, as the number three option. Right. So, and, and yeah, so. It wouldn't surprise me if there's another if there's another move that they make there, whether it's bringing in a, a free agent. I think like Golden Tate is a free agent or somebody like that. That nobody who's going to move the needle a ton, but just another body to bring in if if they get into camp and get a look at what they have and realize that added competition might be helpful. Yeah, that's my prediction. So you don't think Andy Jones is going to be the guy? I'm not saying he's not going to be the guy, okay. But I'm not ready. I'm not ready to put my eggs in that basket yet. Sure. Remember when I said I would believe you if you basically told me any receiver emerged as the wide receiver three? I wouldn't believe you if you said it was Andy Jones. That's the one that I'm not buying. But everyone else, I'll buy. Kevin White not getting any mention on uh, in this group until now. No, Ke- Kevin White is a no go for me. For sure. He played games last year. He was Boy, on did the field he. And in uniform. Boy, did he. Um, I think if Andy Jones is last on that list, I think Kevin White is second to last. And then I think it's River Craycraft. But where are you putting Benny Fowler? Benny Fowler is uh, same tier as Craycraft. Okay. And- yeah, Benny Fowler goes in there for sure. Austin Watkins in that group. Uh, Austin Watkins is is in the tier of guys that hey maybe he wins the wide receiver three job. Sure. Although based on what we saw at OTAs, I mean they were on the far field. We had a hard time seeing, but 
Um, the bit yeah, is that I was not at OTAs. Yeah, that's, that's the bit. <laughs> um, yeah, I I just don't know. I, it's it's like there there are just so many names, but none you really feel great about. I think if you're a 49ers fan, what you hope for is that Jalen Hurd's healthy um, and ready to contribute. Because I think just looking at this list, he's clearly the most talented guys among the options to be the uh, the, the number three receiver. And it, I don't. It's actually not particularly close. The issue is he's missed obviously his first two seasons with. A back right. injury in ACL too, but anyway, we'll have plenty of time to to break. Can't down wait the to dive in. Third receiver, we can't more. can't wait. Yeah. The fourth safety, third wide receiver. Who's the backup right guard going to be? We'll dive into all of it. No, we'll uh, Daniel we'll keep Brown's any any time any time there's there's news like this. We'll we'll jump in and bring it down. The other thing we have to do is the offseason kind of rolls along here. We have to do another old rush. We do. I enjoyed those podcasts very much. We do. Yeah, okay. we did. Um, God, you got to go back in the feed, but that was definitely some some quality pandemic. Yeah, we went, if you're unfamiliar, we went back and rewatched starting at the start of the Harbaugh era, a bunch of games from the 2011 season and just kind of reliving those. I think we left off at the playoff game against, against the Saints. Yeah. So good. we'll do that. We'll do that one at some point. If you're unfamiliar, it was a really fun game. Um, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Subscribe, rate, review if you have not. And we will see you guys later this week. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.